Episode 30. Can you believe we've made it this far? And we're still using the royal we. It's me, folks. Michael Walsh, the host, the producer. I'm also the promo guy. Pretty excited to hit 30 episodes. I've been doing this for two years now. The first year we uh, I did 13 episodes. This year we've got 17 so far. This might be the last one of 2023. I got a couple more interviews scheduled, but we'll see about that. Really excited about today's interview. Comedian Liz Glazer was nice enough to sit down with me and share a whole lot of vulnerable stuff about a really specific type of grief and, you know, the humor that could be found therein and a whole array of other things. So I hope you folks enjoy listening to it. This is episode 30 of I'll Grieve You With This with Liz Glazer. Let's kick this off. Okay. Uh, welcome to the show, Liz Thank Glazer. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people could see the way that you took your hands from your forehead, <laughs> exasperated, before you said, welcome to the show. Like, fine. Yeah, well, that's why this is an audio-only <laughs> format. Uh-huh. So I do a lot of... Uh, so I just plan <clears throat> to narrate your gestures the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you could see my uh, behavioral tics, people sure. <laughs> people listening might be a little more... Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm sorry that I just did a really... Um, oh, no, no, no. I thought it was hilarious. I really exaggerated. You needn't uh, apologize. All right, well, it's the last time going to uh-huh, uh-huh, on, <laughs> on this particular yeah. recording i hope you mean apologize and not give exasperated gesticulations yes well i'll try to keep my uh hand motions limited um so yeah welcome to the show i appreciate you coming <laughs> coming all the way out here yeah uh but it wasn't that all the way because Though I live in New Jersey, I was doing a show in Queens, and so it was just... It's kind of like... 19 minutes away. Jersey's own Bon Jovi would say, you were halfway here. Yeah, yeah. And... I do feel like I'm living on a prayer. There you go. Um, yeah. God, always. this rapport is so goddamn organic. <laughs> um, which is great, because this is the first time you and I have ever actually really... Yeah. Really sat down and hammered it out. Totally. Um, Hammering we are. <laughs> so, yes... Uh, I know you, and I know yeah. your comedy, but we don't know each other that well. Sure, um, fair. But you did make a blip on my grief radar, which uh-huh. is what I call my booking, uh-huh. um, because you were one of the comedians profiled in oh, that, in that yeah. New York Times article yeah, that yeah, yeah. everyone sent to me and said, why weren't you in this? And I said, you know what? Let's just celebrate the others. Uh, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, <laughs> I wonder what gesticulations you might have made then. <laughs> well, it would have, it would have been unseen to the uh-huh. listeners, but uh-huh. yes, there would have been some sort of uh, sure. But that said, uh, so I know a little bit about your grief profile okay. somewhat. Yeah, and I listened to a couple tracks off of a very particular experience. Is yep. that what it's called? Yeah. It is. Yeah. So yeah, I know that you basically wrote a whole show about your grief, but you know what? For the sake of my listeners who didn't yeah. who didn't do all that cursory oh, sure. research, totally, yeah. Um, um, but before you do the grief, could you just uh-huh. tell me about like uh, comedically? I know you yeah. uh, have a little bit of a non-conventional path to comedy, right? Right. And then you want to tell me, yeah, where you started, where you're at, and sure. then I think sure. I think we'll have enough context clues to really dissect. Sure. You. Yeah, I mean, so I I never intended to be a comedian. I used to be a law professor. Um, And it was after I got tenure. So I was teaching for six years and then I was in my seventh year when um, a teacher from an improv class that I had taken a couple years prior. So like I took the class because I was like, like anybody I guess who's listening who's on a tenure track or if you're not, then everything in my life at the time was very goal oriented. And I took the improv class cause I was like, I just want something that's like not that and has nothing to do with the goal. And of course the irony is that it becomes like in some way my whole life. Um, so the teacher from that improv class was the person who asked me if I had ever wanted to do stand up. I said no. And then she's like, well, I'd put you on my show and like I had a crush on her, which was part of it. And then the other thing, nothing ever happened. I mean, she's my wife, but like, no, I'm kidding. But, um, uh, but, but we're friends, but the other piece was like, she told me after she had offered to put me on her show, she's like, you know, a lot of people would like want to be on a show. And I, I knew that I liked things that a lot of people would want. 
you know? Sure, of course. If and not, so, <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, okay, I'll do it. You're telling me this is privileged access? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. And so I did it, and then I loved it. Um, and I think what I loved about it, you know, everybody has a different way of coming to comedy, but, like, I think for me it was, like, the ability to just say what I really was thinking, what I really was feeling. I didn't have to, like... It didn't have to be on the bar exam. It doesn't have to be in a textbook or whatever. So that's what appealed to me about doing stand-up and is con- continues to be what appeals to me about doing stand-up. And I think that segues nicely into the album because when my wife and I experienced the stillbirth of our first daughter, Leo Pearl of Blessed Memory, um, one of the first questions that arose for me was like, how am I going to do comedy? Cause I, at that point was already years in to doing comedy. Cause like everything that happened with me and you know, when I was seven years into teaching all of that, that was 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And you and I are sitting down the final days of 2023. I started in 2013. And so by the time of the stillbirth, which was in 2021, I was like pretty in comedy you know, like in terms of like, this is whatever. This is your career. Yeah. It's like what I do. And so I was like, Oh God, like I had been telling jokes about like my wife being pregnant and, and of course comedy derives from pain. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of knows that I guess, but like it did seem daunting to make stillbirth something that I could talk about on stage if I were there to make people laugh. And it wasn't too long into our hospital stay during the stillbirth, like, or after the stillbirth, but like those days that my wife and I started, you know, just not laughing exactly, but like noticing things that were funny. Um, And I started writing this file called Way Too Soon. Perfect, um, perfect. Because I... You know, like the guy, the plumber comes into the to the hospital room and unclogs a toilet, and then he's like, "Congratulations!" And you know, so those those things, oh boy, and, yeah. and then there was the nurse who, with all good intentions, I'm sure, just kept telling us that our stillborn daughter was like so perfect, like, oh, oh my gosh, she's beautiful, she's perfect, like in such a way that I was like, does someone need to tell her? Because it was so convincing. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Have you not gotten the news yet? (laughs) Right. You're you're still looking looking at at the, uh, you're looking at the PET scan or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. It it was like wild. And, and I, I don't, you know, I mean, I can appreciate and, and it's like, I mean, one of the reasons so that, okay. So anyway, um, I said, I segued to the album just because the, origin story for me in stand-up was about telling the truth like not that I was lying when I was teaching I wasn't lying I was just like I had to fit into the material because there it's property class and like yeah you can put your own spin on it but like ultimately you gotta teach property law and so I knew pretty much right away even though that was like hard in that exact moment of like shock and grief and you know, the moment of like the actual stillbirth happening. Cause like we didn't know until we were at the hospital and my wife delivered a dead baby that yeah, there, that so there was, was, there was no heads up. No, not yeah, at Cause all. I did not listen to, you have a track about yes. it. And it yeah. I think you said the whole, whole yeah. thing took five, 10 minutes. Yep. That that's, is that's absolutely an, true. That's yeah. Devastating. Yeah. And, and not that, you know, I always am careful with these things. Like it's not that if it had been different, then it would have not been devastating. Like I think every, everybody's grief is valid and, you know, different ways of finding out that you're going to have a stillbirth, God forbid, like are all terrible in their own way. And this was our terrible way. Um, but I, yeah. So, I, so that's like how I kind of, decided that I wanted to do an album about it. And then as I started thinking about my experience, very particular as it is, which is, you know, I mean, the the title of the album is actually a reference to a punchline from a joke that's not about grief or stillbirth. But um, I liked it. I thought it fit for what the experience of the stillbirth and the album about the stillbirth is. But in any event, um, it it was the kind of thing where I was like, this is a weird kind of grief 
um, because I don't, I'm, I don't miss my daughter who I never met. And so like on the album, I talk about losing my dad, which happened right around the same time. And also losing our cat Mona, which also happened right around the same time. And the reason I did that is because a, I had things to say and memories to share about the, you know, my dad and and our cat, but also because I wanted to contrast different types of grief. And so like with a pet, you know, that grief is valid and the, it's not a person who you're missing. And then with my dad, my dad died at 73. He lived with heart disease for 40 years. It's tragic. Is it early? Arguably, but like we always knew he was sick. Does that make it better? I guess kind of, no, it's all complicated. Um, and I can point to memories of him alive and miss him and them and, and understand him as a person in a way that I can't about our stillborn daughter. And at the very least, I was like, I do think that that's interesting. And I wonder, and this was like through the writing process and the performance of the the piece of the album, um, what I can take away from this. And I don't want to give away everything, but like I had a pretty profound insight about love. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to share that um, and did. And, you know, I'm, I, it's interesting because like that album, you know, I've had people come up to me like after seeing me do like a shorter club set and they're like, wow, that's like really different from your album, which it is. Um, and in that way, it's like, I, I, I needed to do this. And I guess like maybe people who grapple with grief understand that, that like I needed to create a work. Mm. Because otherwise, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Well, also, you know, comedians, we write jokes about what happens to us, whether yeah. or not they're here. And we don't pick what happens to us. That's true. I remember just being like, damn, I have to write jokes about my dad being dead. Right. I was really just yeah. going to coast on irony and puns <laughs> for the rest yeah. of my, yeah. my trajectory. And now it's like, okay, well, yeah. This, I mean, it's the biggest thing in my life. What am I going to do? Yeah. Not write a joke about it? I get it. I totally uh, but the, get but it. it is a, a totally different and totally valid grief that you are suffering from because you have, well, there isn't a person that you knew, but there's all these expectations built into the yeah. future. Right. And it's sort of this like grief of hope and expectation and, you know, of course, like the shock of the loss itself. Oh, it's it's truly yeah. just getting the rug pulled out for you on your birthday yeah. party, I guess. Exactly. Right. What, and that was another piece of it is like it's supposed to be this happiest moment and day and all that. And like to juxtapose the expectation of that with this like terrible tragedy right. is like really, uh, yeah. I think getting the rug pulled out from under you is a great is a great term uh, to use there. And also, it's just like, I mean, what a fucked up moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right, though. It's it's a very particular type of grief. I mean, yeah. it's more common than, than we think, but uh, yeah. it's not the most discussed. For sure. And, and as the role of partner, of course. Like, right. I mean, your wife was the one carrying it, but yeah. the, the, and whoever is the partner in this situation, that's a whole type of grief where it's just like... Yeah. And that type of grief could really um, bring a wedge between partners. Yes. And we were lucky enough to uh, find a grief group... Um, that like uh, it is a there. I don't know the exact statistic of like you know how, whatever percentage of couples who experience um, pregnancy loss and stillbirth in particular that get that like split up. But there's some. It's like high or whatever. And I, I wasn't really worried about that. Like Karen and I, thankfully, knock on wood, um, have a really solid connection. Uh, and you never know. And so, you know, we availed ourselves of therapy and this bereavement group and the bereavement group like has a really high percentage of staying together. Mm. Um, so I don't know that it's like because of that, but their name is Pockets of Light and they're a really great organization that helped us a lot. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. Um, and it's the thing that both of you have. It's, you know, yeah. it's strange when you have specific tragedy that you only share with people. Yeah. Like, like my, my siblings, they, they're the only people that really know what it's like to not have Kevin Walsh as a dad anymore. Yeah. And you're the only, well, you and Karen, yeah. you're the only ones that really know what it's like for Leo to not be here. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So did this, uh, so you do regular material, but you made a whole album. Do you, yeah. do you now have like a, a distinct packets of material or is it now becoming more of mixed into your, what, what you would normally have been your, yeah, your that's set? a good question. I don't, I mean, so I do, I do like Jewish organizations and synagogues like pretty frequently. Your wife's and so a rabbi. Yes, she is. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and I grew up like in, you know, like I went to Orthodox Jewish day school. And so like I, you know, whatever, I can check a bunch of boxes and, um, that kind of thing. And, and also, you know, certainly like through my wife. Um, but the, some of the, the dad jokes, like, first of all, I'm sorry for the loss of your dad. Oh, of course. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. And there's nothing, I, <laughs> I have said this, uh, but like, I know what you mean about like when I lost my dad, uh, I was like, oh God, I have to do these jokes. And, and I did, I mean, it was during the pandemic. Um, and I was like doing a lot of zoom shows. And so I did some of that stuff, but then when stuff started getting back in person, I had less courage, you know, to do it like at a club or whatever, when I was like up in front of people mm-hmm. and there's nothing like a stillbirth happening to me anyway, that made my dead dad jokes suddenly my lighter material wow and so i especially like not that it's like in every club setting but um i would do them there because then i knew that they were part of the album and so when i was working out the album i was like okay i gotta move these to the front burner and start like doing the joke about like measuring tombstones with my mother as we were getting my dad's tombstone and like whatever and so uh but some of that stuff is like very ripe for Jewish organizations because a lot of like, you know, frankly, the crowds can be like older and stuff. And so it's like, they want to talk about, you know, buying a tombstone and sure. whatever. Yeah. Um, and I also, I, I was able to do the, some of those jokes that I did a, an ER nurses convention oh. recently. And one of the things that I, learned very quickly after hanging out with ER nurses is that they love talking about dying. Sure. Um, yeah. If he's not talking about dying, like they're like, we don't find it funny. And so, (laughs) um, (laughs) so they also really appreciated that material. Um, so I guess like, yeah, I do kind of have like compartments a little bit and I'm, I'm writing and I'm going on tour in the beginning of, uh, 2024 and doing like a a new hour and like working it out, you know, before the spring when I record it. And so it's interesting to think about like, okay, is this going to be an hour that's like more representative of the kinds of sets that I do generally? And I think the answer is yes, I hope, you know, um, I mean, and I don't say that like there's anything wrong with having a distinction, but I just know that there is a distinction. And so it's the kind of thing that like I've gotten comments of like, wow, that's like yeah. really different. Sure. So that's why I mention it. It must be nice to have this, all this material done and put on wax. Yeah, it and does. It's a cohesive project. Yeah. Yeah. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about your father? What was his sense of humor like? Oh yeah, well he had none, uh, which was hilarious. No irony whatsoever. <laughs> no, he he like. What was he like? He was gruff. He was very like he sort of started at annoyed, um, you know, in a kind of sitcom grandpa kind of yeah, forever way. aggrieved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like just like. You know, how are you uh, working? Um, you know. So what's, what is he non-native English speaker? Correct. He Where's, was from Latvia. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, he was always like, he was pretty cagey. I think that that's like, you know, a Baltic sure. sensibility of just like, you never know who's asking questions. We're not going to answer freely. Um, that kind of thing. And so it was like you, you asked him, um, like, are you in the mafia? And he was not, but he would always be like, I know people. He would just, would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would like perhaps. you to think that yeah, perhaps you he never could never know. Be. Right. Perhaps. Yeah. Did his family come out of the, um, did they emigrate because of the Holocaust? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got survivors on both sides. And so and I talk about that in the album too, in terms of, 
I mean, really, it's there as material to kind of like make the case, as it were, for my propensity towards anxiety. Because I do have both sides of my family are Holocaust survivors. Um, and so I've I've never experienced life without worrying about like having to flee. Yeah. You know, and so I have like some jokes and stories that make that point. And then the the crux of it for the for a very particular experience was like, and even I who was so worried about all these things, never considered that this might happen. Um, you know, <clears throat> even though, like, I right. mean, I literally can think of five emergencies that could happen right now. Like, you went for your phone five seconds ago. Yeah. I was like, is he going to shoot me? Oh, wow. Literally. That's and, uh, that's and, that and deep the anxiety is? No. It's not because of you. For the record, I'm just I like, thought I would... Huh? I hadn't put my phone on airplane mode. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. And and it's like, listen, I have to quiet in my own brain, sure. but it's just inborn, you know? Like that I don't, is just part of the hundred uh, percent Jewish uh, genealogy. Yeah. Uh, totally. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Then I mean, like, I get it. There's yeah. There's some sort of stereotypes about neuroses and right. anxiety. In right. The, uh, yeah. Well, and also it's like you know I come from survivors. And so I'm a statistical improbability that I'm even here mm -hmm. and yet I'm here. So I want to make sure that I don't let my team down that got me here. Right. And so they all survived this like improbable situation. And, and I'm like, I don't want to die because I didn't consider that there might be something around the corner. Sure. You know? So anyway, that's, that's kind of like, my vibe um and that came from your uh eastern european oh well, so, you, so, so you said uh yeah. his name's leon yeah, yeah no sense of humor well and he would not like me to say it that way because he was like he would like you to think that maybe jokes. he might have a sense yeah. of humor he's yeah. not he's not well, in the, the he's mob the funniest he was the funniest person to make fun of and he used to tell me he's like you should talk more about me and your materials and <laughs> you know because I I remember I didn't really have much of a like like wanting to do stand up before I ever did it however I remember when I and I'm 44 years old which I say because um, I like to tell people sure. but also you know, <laughs> solid <laughs> listen, number <laughs> right right totally but anyway um, because when I was younger the stand up comedy I do remember seeing on TV was Margaret Cho making fun of her parents sure and like I think you know she's like gone back on doing that because of accents and whatever it is I remember being so inspired by watching that because I was like that's what I do yeah about my dad because yeah. my mom my mom wasn't born in the United States because uh, her parents also survived and so she was born in a displaced persons camp in Rome and whatever but like she presents as American because she grew up on Long Island and whatever so technically not but yes my dad I mean my dad arrived like he was in the United States for 46 years and based on how his way, like his accent and everything, you would have thought he arrived earlier that day. Sure. Right? Like just like that. <laughs> yeah. he, whatever. Still got the stamp from Ellis oh, Island. Oh, 100%. Like Strine. he was just like, what? I, I don't know. And, you know. Okay. And, um, and so, and I think some of that was like strategic in terms of, you know, playing ignorance in order to like get by uh, in a smart way. But some of it, you know, was probably real I'm guessing and so he was hilarious as a character but when he was making jokes on purpose I don't know that those were funny like like the mm. the I, the trope of a dad joke right, right. like my father-in-law yeah. is an American dad yeah. right like he wears sweaters for golf and mm. goes golfing and sure. stuff like that and makes corny jokes. Like I didn't grow up with a dad like that. I grew up with a dad who was like really stressed and everything was so serious that it's like, you gotta laugh sure. at him. And, and he took the jokes well because that's what he was saying when he would tell me that I should do more of him because he was like, that's funny and, you know, this is about, I mean, I don't know that he would like my comedy that much now. Although he, before he died, he really did. He saw you? He, oh, yeah, yeah. My That's parents great. have seen me 
do comedy a lot, but he, he would start saying, you know, the last like maybe three, four years of his life, he was like, okay, I get it. But like, he saw my early standup as well. He's like, do you like your show? <laughs> and I was like, I guess. And he's like, I don't. And so that's when he would give me notes about like, you should do, do me <laughs> because that worked when you were a kid in the dining room, yeah, you know. Why wouldn't that translate to a right. larger audience? And, and maybe it does. I mean, you know, like, uh, I don't not do his accent, even though sometimes people are like, oh, that's an accent you can't do or something. Yeah, I'm but like, it's Eastern European. I'm like, it's it literally undefined. sounds like my father. Right. Would you like a recording? Because yeah. it's the same. Yeah, I think you're, yeah. you're going to pass And he it. said, he told me to. Well, yeah, that, yeah, that's true. He he would have wanted this literally. Um, so he passed during COVID. Were you able yeah. to? Were you able to do any sort of ceremony? Yeah. So we did a Zoom um, funeral, and it was actually like really nice because like his his family is all in Israel, and so they were able to like Zoom, and his sister said a eulogy over zoom and like that wouldn't have happened if he hadn't died then probably wow that's almost you know? the yeah not the opposite of what i would expect but i yeah. feel so so much sympathy for people that weren't able to gather in person sure yeah well so basically like my brother and i i was living in los angeles at the time i was coming back but a week later uh, my brother was also living in LA. Is he your only sibling? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we drove in 46 hours from my dad died on a Friday. We found out at like whatever, 10, 11 in the morning, LA time. An hour later. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. He died in his sleep then or no, he but it wasn't like a hospitalization thing. It was sort of quickly. Uh, correct. So he, my dad had, many heart attacks and basically had one and mm. died but like he lived with heart disease for 40 years and so I never knew my dad when I wasn't worried he would die of a heart attack because you know I had been I had accompanied him as a like early teenager to a doctor's appointment that like ended up in emergency surgery and I had to be like the person, the proxy signer because I was there. I think I may have been like over 18 or something like that. So not an early teenager, but early whatever. Um, but anyway, so like that was, that was very much like my life. Always you you were just dad. like, you thought dads go to the cardiologist 100%. Every, every couple months. Well, and also he was really dramatic. Um, I mean like Oscar winning if there were cameras sort of. <laughs> Roberto Benigni <laughs> yeah. walking on people's shoulders. Well, just because like, I mean, he really got riled up a lot okay. and, um, he was always like, sure he was going to die and then he didn't die. So he had a kind of cockroach element to him in the sense of like just surviving anything. Sure. And yeah, so I'm sure he would love that comparison. <laughs> well, no, just like the ability to just like, no, I get here. Here he is still, but, but you, you say, know? yeah, he, you said he was sure he was going to die. Is this yeah. something that he was vocal about? Oh, all the time. That's so opposite of what most of my interviewee guests are. It seems. Oh, like, really? Well, I feel like a lot of people's parents, yeah. even when they're in the in the face of a diagnosis, they're like, "It's not going to be me." You know oh I mean? no, no! My dad was always. He like, was like, "My heart's going to be what kills me." Yeah, I mean, he knew that for sure. And yeah, just given on the, I just assumed based on the first yeah. things you told me about that maybe he would be a person that wasn't as. Uh, forthcoming and candid about his own personal stuff but he talked about death yeah yeah because he would keep having to have emergency surgery after emergency surgery for literally 40 years and so I think like did I he, don't know um, did he yeah. start to like get his affairs in order as far as like oh I mean he had my parents had like their funerals plots, they had their wills whatever. and their marriage yeah. the same day <laughs> yeah, basically I mean yeah, and, and he was, like, very, like, I want to take care of this before I die. And I, I, I probably didn't believe he would die more than he didn't believe he would die. Like, I think just because, like, he never did, obviously, mm -hmm. until he did. And, and, and it was always in the face of these, like, emergent circumstances that suggested he might. And then he would be fine. And so, or, like, you know, not 
totally fine. No, no. But like, like yeah. okay, he's oh, still he made kicking. It through. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but he died to answer your question directly about like in his sleep or not. I know the night prior was not a good night because my mom had told me after that she like stayed up all night making sure he was still breathing. Mm. He had some kind of like blood test about an upcoming surgery and the upcoming surgery was like delayed because of COVID made it elective, even though it maybe wasn't elective, but the, the kind of like solve on some of it is that it was the first surgery of many that he had over 40 years that my parents were like kind of pessimistic about because he, his cardiologist was like, you really might die on the operating table at this one. Yeah. Uh, and that wasn't the case with like, even, you know, like he had, I mean, quadruple bypass surgery before it was like, wow, really normal, Yeah, you know? And so there, there were many moments where he was told like, I know this sounds scary, but like I've done a million of these and you're going to be okay or whatever. And it was always a little scary, but it was always okay. And then this one, whatever. But he had a heart attack like earlier, but before it was like, uh, yeah, I guess around 10 in the morning, which I've learned is like a common time for people to die in research. Um, really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. My so, dad passed right before the sun came up on, is my, that right? on Monday. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Put that in your research pool. Add another yeah. add another one to the well, morning just, time slot. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you talk about your I don't I just I'm conscious of the fact that you're interviewing me, but I am curious about your dad. Uh yeah, I tend to try to um ask more questions to the interviewer yeah, but yeah, yeah so my father um in fact today i was actually a guest on a on a grief podcast oh were you so okay. that was the first time being on the opposite end of it oh so, wow um yeah. yeah he was just a very sweet guy uh he was a real pacifist real gregarious yeah. um he was always singing at inappropriate oh. times and yeah. um you know he had cancer uh and he fought it for like seven eight years wow. same thing as far as like he was hospitalized four or five times in the last couple of years and it was right. still very much just like well it's not gonna happen right none of us are really gonna yeah be realistic about it until it's until it does happen and then, yeah and then you go I'm well really sorry oh i i mean i appreciate that yeah uh, and i'm sorry for your loss thank you um but you know what? If it led to this podcast <laughs> happening, I would say objectively sure, worth sure. it for both of us. Huh? Uh, yeah. I'm speaking on Leon's behalf. Too. <laughs> yes, um, and you said Kevin. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah, um, of course. Do you recall like the first time you were able to laugh after your father died? Yes, and I I have that as uh well I I I mean the story that I have on the album is the first time that my family laughed as a group, which was right when my brother and I having driven from LA in 46 hours, the irony there is that like nobody would have been prouder than my dad of like (laughs) how good we made time. Um, And that's including a nap in Ohio, by the way. Uh, So it's really good time. But um, we come to my mother's house, go in the fridge, look for food. I see that there's locks. I look at the date on the locks. I'm like, this locks is expired. I tell my mom, I was like, mommy, the locks is expired. And I figured, you know, she's going to say like, oh, it's been a rough week. Like a lot happened. Instead, she digs her heels in and she's like, what are you talking about? I got that locks on sale from ShopRite. I froze it and it's fine. And I was like, that's disgusting. And I, you know, whenever I do this, especially like in synagogues, people are like, what are you talking about? That's how to do Because those they think that my mom is right. And I don't care. Because You're not I'm, supposed I, to freeze locks? I mean, everyone does. I do th- still think it's disgusting. Sure. And like, I like my locks before the expiration date, if at all. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so we're debating this, my mother and I. And it's like of my course, dad died. this is the most important thing to right, try, right. discuss. Right, right. Like my dad died the day before and whatever. And, uh, or two days before. And so, but right when we arrived from, from LA and so I'm saying, you know, the locks is bad. She's like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. And then finally my mother says, well, daddy ate it. And we all laughed sure. because how could you not? And he didn't die of food poisoning, but if right. he had, he would have died doing what he loved, which was eating expired locks. Ex- <laughs> of but, course, he um, lived how he died. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, in terms of like 
the first time I laughed after he died. I mean, my brother and I were in the car for a while, 46 hours to be exact. And so I don't remember specifically. We definitely were talking about like a lot of like memories and we laugh a lot. I don't remember like the sure. thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but um, it was a long car ride, you know, so... And, and with Vic and I, that's my brother, it's not so much... Um, do you have siblings? I do. Okay. Yeah, I have two yeah. sisters and a brother. Oh, oh two yeah. sisters. Okay. Big family. So, yeah. Like, I don't know if you have this with your siblings, but like often between me and Vic, it's not like we tell a joke. It's just like, remember when this and like three words and then we just start laughing. That's nice. Yeah. Because we just remember like the time that we had New Year's Eve with Yolanda and like she wore someone's underwear on her head and you know or whatever it might have been that's nice yeah so I don't remember what it was but it definitely was in the car and we definitely laughed yeah it is seemed to be like a a good uh healing (laughs) yeah you really have to laugh yeah I think so all right (laughs) well rest in peace to Leo yeah and yeah I'm sorry, Leon. Leon was your yeah, father. But rest well, in peace both. to Leo as well. Let's yeah, let's yeah. discuss sure. Leo a little more. And yeah. Do you and your partner you have a you have a child now? We do. So yeah, yeah let's let's um well first of all, tell me yeah. um Yeah. Same question, but sure. you don't need to have a specific moment. Do you remember and you, I know you said you and Karen were finding funny things to write down. Do you remember yeah. any moment of levity afterwards? I mean, yeah. I suppose the guy with the plunge in the poop and all that right so like you know that nurse and that plumber guy and um yeah there were a few uh and and then you know the this is a joke that's from uh the hour but we had to take pictures because this is like a thing that they they advise you in hospitals to take pictures of yeah to take pictures of you with the baby and they're like you know you should sing to the baby and read to the baby, like have a weekend at Bernie's basically with wow, this baby. some tiny sunglasses. And yeah. Yeah. And so, and it's like, that's, that's so that's what they, that's to standard. Yeah, I think. Wow. I mean, I mean, I guess that must have some sort of healing property. Right. And like, we, we just like did whatever they said because like there is this element, it's sort of like the reverse of a tattoo. Like if you're getting a tattoo, people are like, you might regret it. And this is like, if you don't do it, you might regret it kind mm. of thing. And so we were like, whatever, we'll just, we'll just kind of like do whatever they say. Like, and so, you know, we did the, the reading and singing and talking and, and holding, uh, Leo. And then they're like, and you also, you also should take pictures as a family, which was like really weird. And then this is, this is the joke, which is based in truth really, which is, uh, it was really sad, but is it bad that I happened to look amazing in the photos, <laughs> which arose and there's some tags that I won't do because sure. I'm not like doing the joke, but like, um, that arose from an observation that I had after we got back these pictures, which of course are like very jarring images. Yeah. And you're like, I've never looked better in my life. I I noticed, I'm like, I've never looked at a picture of me without having the even silent thought of like, Oh, how do I look? Yeah. And I I think that's a human instinct. Mm -hmm. And it was just like popped out at me in this setting because in this setting, I'm like, oh, I definitely shouldn't care right. what I look like in this photo of my of my stillborn baby. Um, and yet, I look amazing. And yet, I mean, maybe yeah. it's the lighting in the hospital. <laughs> your, your next headshots, you well, might need to revisit the maternity ward. It's, it's interesting because I watched, I don't remember the name of the Jonah Hill with his therapist thing on Netflix. It's Phil Stutz, who's a therapist, who's also an author. And then Jonah Hill, and it's their therapy sessions. And okay, whatever. I've not, I've not yet seen it, so okay. I can't recommend one way or another to yeah, my audience. Yeah, yeah, right. No, it was it was interesting, and Phil Stutz is like a really interesting guy and therapist and whatever. Anyway, but there's a a part. So Jonah Hill lost his brother, and they talk about that among other things in the documentary, which is on Netflix, and. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. This is a real thing. It's about yeah. Joan Hill playing himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's oh, a documentary. I, I'm sorry. I thought... Yeah. Well, 
Totally. I'm up to speed now. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, there's nothing to be sorry. So anyway, in this film that, that Jonah Hill made that is a documentary where he's playing him with his real-life therapist, um, who's kind of a celebrity, so that's why it's like on It camera. is ringing a bell now that you're yeah, talking about yeah. this. But um, after Jonah Hill tragically lost his brother, whose name I think was Jordan, um, but Phil Stutz, his therapist, took a picture of him. Because I guess, like, Phil was saying that, like, there's something about, like, grief and the shock and awe of it Mm -hmm. that, like, kind of makes you look beautiful because, like, you're just stripped of any, you know, like, trying to put on anything. And so they show the photo in, in the film. And I kept thinking of my joke, which arose from an experience. There's also Mark Maron has a joke in his, uh, hour on HBO about losing Lynn Shelton. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's like, I don't know that he does it. He doesn't comment on the picture, but he talks about how like he goes in to see Lynn for a final time. And then he's like, should I take a selfie? And that's kind of the, you know, yeah. seat of the joke. Um, but anyway, so all related to this same phenomenon, I guess. Uh, when my father died, yeah, me and my family all went for a hike. Okay. Maybe like an hour after he died. Yeah. And we were in the woods and we yeah. ran into some other hikers. Yeah. And we were like, hey, we're never all together. Let's get a group shot. And huh. we, we have a, a group oh, shot. Oh, interesting. And it's, I revisit. How do you look? We look fantastic. Yeah, this, your theory is confirmed. Here. <laughs> uh, it was just so bizarre because even as we were taking it, I'm yeah. like, did I just say cheese? Right. <laughs> My dad's dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did we tell him to take a couple in case we blink? <laughs> we probably did. Do you say that on stage? No, no. Oh, I actually haven't, I haven't even thought about this till this moment. Yeah. Um, did I say cheese is really Because <laughs> it, it was just like, I can't believe I'm even... Conscious in this moment Yeah I get it Why are we handing Our fucking camera To a stranger Right Totally Uh, Yeah It's It's so interesting Um, I mean it's deeply sad But it is also It's the worst thing Ever Um, Yeah Yeah So Sounds like you and Karen Are very tight Obviously Yeah (laughs) Um, So uh, Tell me about the uh, The first um, uh, Iteration of this show And how you So I mean It it came together in pieces by necessity just because like I I wasn't able to really like I, I knew I wanted to tape it on the one year anniversary of its happening. Right. I listened to the, that's like yes. the opening track. I yes. think you address that. And as such, I I didn't have the opportunity to like run the whole thing front to back. Um, so I had like the opportunities to run pieces of it and I sort of was like, okay, I want to say this, then I want to say that, da, 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 whatever. So it came together in that way, like piecemeal. And, um, yeah. Do you sound off your, your joke ideas on her? Uh, yeah, I do. But it's even more than that. Like, you know, my wife is a rabbi, which is to say that, for her, jokes are not the goal, but they happen kind of more naturally. Like for her, when, you know, she's a very funny person. She's not trying to write jokes. I may or may not be funny, but I have to write jokes. Mm. And as such, sometimes like when my joke writing is blocked, she'll say the perfect funniest thing and she doesn't need it, right. you know? So it's like, oh my God, thank you. And so it's more even than just like we bounce ideas off of each other. Because by the way, I also love a sermon. A sermon is probably that and a graduation speech, like a commencement address mm-hmm. is like my fave genre. Sure. Like I just want to be inspired all the time. Yeah. And uh, so we g- give each other notes on our respective work all the time. Um, and she, you know, I would say like writes half of my stuff just based on like her not mm. even caring to be funny or not. Mm. It was just kind of like, oh, this. And I'm like, that's great. Yeah. Sounds like you found your partner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was single for fucking ever. So 
that preceded finding. No, I'm Karen. sure. I'm sure you sowed your wild oats. I wasn't trying to imply that you're vanilla. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean it. I don't even. <laughs> no, think, no I, I just mean like I was like, how am I going to find someone for a long time? Uh, and you guys knew right away that you wanted to have a child. Uh, I mean, I, well, maybe that's a discussion you have early on. I mean, it definitely was something that Karen knew because she froze her eggs the day before we met. Oh. And so she had been uh, f- like she wanted to freeze her eggs. Mm-hmm. She had a procedure to do that, was talking to a friend of hers. And that friend was like, what do you want to do like after you freeze your eggs? And then Karen tells this friend, I want to start dating. And then the friend who is somebody I know from high school was like, I think I know someone and set us up. That's great. So Karen knew for sure that she wanted to have kids. I like, I used to say that my favorite form of birth control is lesbianism. Um, Good line. Thank you. And I, I guess that was true. And I just like at some point in my late thirties had to reckon with the fact that I didn't want kids like actively or proactively because I wasn't doing anything about it you know and like at some point if you're a woman and you're that old you, yeah, no, I mean, you have to like a, a I could window. say I want kids but it's like how badly because it's not going to happen right. unless you're doing something about it how much it. is science going to intervene to make this happen yeah and, and, and the answer is there is a lot of science but you actually have to avail yourself of it oh, I yeah, was yeah. not thinking about no, freezing sure. my eggs or anything like that. Yeah, unfortunately, so, women don't have as much uh, yeah, luxury of time. For sure. But, like, you know, there are a lot of women who do that. And, you know, I I, I just, like, the last, like, few women I dated definitely wanted kids. So I kind of was like, okay, I guess, like, you'll have kids then. Mm. And uh, the same was true with Karen. So I kind of was like, okay, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the new little one in your life. I mean, she's fantastic. It's like, you know, as a comic, I feel like uh, I had heard so much about how hard and exhausting and all like the negative elements of um, having a baby that I kind of was so prepared for those that I was struck and surprised by how amazing it is because I was like, <laughs> well, I know it's all these terrible things. Right. And then I'm like, Oh, but it's awesome. Yeah. You know? So that's been really fun. Uh, and again, you know, knock on wood, I feel like you have to whatever, but like, it's not wood. <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> you just I knocked on sure. a porcelain lamp. Well, I wasn't sure that this is, I don't think either. this would either. Right. But, you know, let's, right. Let's hit the drywall over oh. here. Oh, is drywall wood? You know what? Let's Probably not split not. hairs over I don't know. Here. I'm skateboarding the hallway. <laughs> if we really want to get down to technical materials, and I'm, I'm I got Jewish, some maple. so why do I even care? Uh, you know, I'm just hedging bets. But but in any event, like it's great, and she's six months old, and you know, what's it's her name? Eloise. Eloise. Um, yeah, and and it's like it's really amazing to just experience like the cobbling together of consciousness and personality Mm. and like the beginning of somebody's life it's it's amazing truly yeah so yeah i'm having a lot of fun uh with it and sorry um it's also tiring and uh yeah like, <laughs> that yawn was <laughs> that yawn I mean, was, was that part of the script I, I, like, no, ah, this wasn't. is the part where i yawn <laughs> uh, but i figured if i had the setup i might as well give it a punch of course. Uh, as a comic um this is something that i've been saying to other comedians who are expecting babies or might want babies is like our schedules are oddly suited in a way to having kids because often for a young kid they have a night feeding Mm -hmm. and so like after this i will go home and feed the baby yeah and then my wife doesn't have to get up in the middle of the night 
the kid sleeps through the night. Like yeah, it's that's pretty it's slick. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're recording this at 1130 PM. This we might are. be the latest. I've huh? done huh? Well, yeah. And I mean, it wasn't supposed to be this way, Micah, but oh, well, here that's we quite are. right. I'm yeah. not, uh, I didn't bring it up to throw it in your face, oh, but, no, no, but no. it will be nice. That, it's uh, kind of like a bedtime conversation. Yeah, right? Wind down. And yeah. You get to go home and you get to see Eloise. I, Ooh, I nice. do. Yeah. I'm very excited. Well, I'm glad that um, even though your life is much more busy, your profession seems to align with the, the sleep schedule, yeah. at least for now. I do I do enjoy that element of it. It's like I really appreciate logistics in general. Like they – I I love them. Mm. Like <laughs> – okay (laughs) well like it's because so much of my life involves like intricate commutes to the city because i i don't live in the city and so i mean now the train near me is like fucked up but uh, anyway i don't have a punchline for that one but um i yawned again but uh (laughs) what do you call it like i generally enjoy overthinking a commute Or like, especially I'm going on the road a lot in early 2024. And so I'm like now figuring out my whole schedule from January to April. Mm -hmm. And it's like deeply exciting to me to figure out like what's the best route between, you know, shows and and that kind of thing. So uh, anyway, so I, I do like details like that, like about the night feeding. Yeah, well, and then, uh, you know, Karen does her sermons during the day. Yeah. Sort of evens out. Yeah, yeah. And I do who the hell knows, you know? You yeah. just you do stand-up comedy. Well, <laughs> I do that, but I'm saying it's a day. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's, you know, that's where, you, where you write your new material. Yes, yes, allegedly. Um, I'm, you seem prolific. <laughs> but I like that you do have the comedian uh, sort of innate sense of self-hatred yeah, <laughs> going on totally. there. I'm allegedly a comedian. Uh-huh, so I uh-huh. guess this is what I do. Right, right. You, d- you are paying your bills from this, you know what I mean? Yeah. You came here from a gig. I did. Yeah. So credentials established. Sure. Um, this new hour that you're going to record, Yeah. is there more stuff you want to write about this particular topic or do you think you've exhausted? That's a good question. I do want to... Um, segue into the hour by talking about the last hour. So I think I'll allocate like a couple of minutes and a couple of jokes to the fact that that hour happened. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But otherwise I don't, I don't know. And I'm not, I don't think so. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't imagine, I guess like, one of the things that I, the reason I want to include it at all is because like, I think that there's this tendency, especially with pregnancy loss to kind of make things all better by, oh, well we have a kid now. So like, never mind, we weren't grief stricken or whatever. And I think, so a couple things. Number one, I made a conscious choice to do my first album about stillbirth And not have anything about Karen being pregnant, which she was at the recording uh, as a part of the album. I had, I didn't want to wait until we had a baby Mm -hmm. in order to like make the story palatable. I just wanted that experience to exist unto itself. And um, you look like you might have a question. It just must have been. Uh, a difficulty to do this material while your wife is pregnant again with a, oh, yeah. a yet undelivered hundred percent uh, who knows yeah. if they're healthy or not totally. type baby. Yes. How, yes. How, how many months was she in there? Um, hang on. I have to do math. That's so we fine. Had... Just make up a number. I'll let... <laughs> like a few months. In. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. That's uh, a bit ballsy on your part. Well, not yeah. ballsy, but like you're, you're writing about, mat- yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was a metaphor. <laughs> I'm just reading, no, I'm trying to reinforce the patriarchy <laughs> in the last act of this. Uh-huh. Of this. Totally. It really took a big dick to do what you did. Big <laughs> 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 <Like> swing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is it's um a bit brave to put all this stuff out there while you're in a situation where you're you the, the next one's not quite out of the oven yet yeah you know? yeah That's, totally um, well yeah and i mean karen did her yom kippur sermon about uh about it and she was she was pregnant then too 
and you know, it, it just like, we really wanted to, um, I don't know, I guess like process it. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and do so for ourselves in a way that was like separate from what's to come, but also because the narrative around stillbirth is like, you know, okay, but we have a kid now, so it's okay. And it's like, yeah, but people don't work like that. Like, it's like when our fathers died, people didn't say like, oh, well, I know a guy in his 70s or 60s that you could hang out with. Like, it's it just, <laughs> right. it, you know, yeah, people yeah. don't work that way. And so uh, so I wanted, I wanted that to, I just felt very strongly about that because I was like, I was like, there's, there's something about these babies who are unborn. Like they didn't live, but they did exist. Uh-huh. And there's something about someone who existed that I want to honor their memory because like in the same way that like so much of my, I don't know, like journey through life, I guess, professionally and personally is like believing I'm enough. Mm-hmm. And who am I to say to Leo that you weren't enough? Like, are you only enough because we then have another baby? No. I mean, you know, Eloise must have been a great positive in your life. Of course. But that does nothing to negate. Yes, it doesn't. 100%. You don't. Right, right. And it, it, you're you're right. And it's like, it's it's all of the things together. And I think that that's like the element of grief that... I don't know. It's, it's a difficult thing. And I think it's a reason that like talking about it is really important because it's like, there is this understanding that some people seem to have that like talking about grief is dwelling or whining about it. Like, I don't think so at all. I think it's like, you know, I mean, clearly you have a podcast about it. And so you, you believe in putting it front and center. I do too, because I think that I mean, I can see it in certain people I know that like don't want to talk about stuff. And then it's like, yeah, then it bleeds into everything else in your life. And you're kind of like weird. Yeah. You know? Um, And like, you know, being on stage, like you're saying, it's your opportunity to say unfiltered. Like, and if you can make your comedy honest. Yeah. That's as far as I'm concerned, the best thing, the best way to connect with an audience. Yeah. It's also like, it's the only thing I've ever wanted to achieve like I I've always wanted to be funny too but uh to start from an honest place is like the thing that got me into it to begin with like otherwise I could be teaching properly yeah you would be making tenure (laughs) (laughs) yeah you would be doing all right right so yeah um and I feel like I wanted to say another thing about it um but yeah like the the idea of I don't know it's like I'm not trying to pretend like everything's okay you know like everything is exactly how it is and in the same way that like my album about grief wasn't like and I'm terrible I also don't imagine or want an album that arises out of happy circumstances to be like and everything's amazing because like it's all just life you know? Yeah. I don't think yeah. you sugarcoated it. I, th- I don't right. think you made this album because it was right. 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 Because yeah. it was like a, yeah, I don't know. It's very commendable. And oh, I, thanks. you know, and especially stillbirth and, you know, like pregnancy stuff. That's, yeah. uh, it's kind of an underrepresented, uh, sector of grievers. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, good on you for making the show. Oh, thanks. It's, yeah. It seems like a good, good outlet. Thank you. Um, I think we're winding down. All right. I think it might be time. Yeah. For you to tell me. Yes. Do you regret becoming a comedian? Do you wish you were? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Every <laughs> single day. <laughs> no. And with that, uh-huh. let's get some plugs out of the way where people can see it. Oh uh, yeah. Well, go to my website or don't, but like. If you want to write to me or, you know, connect in whatever way, dear Liz Glazer, like you're writing me a letter, D-E-A-R-L-I-Z-G-L-A-Z-E-R.com. And you, uh, it sounds like you maybe you communicate with people that, because uh, I have people that send me messages. Yeah. And it's, it always makes my day. I you know, someone's oh, yeah. like, oh, I saw this sticker. It happens to be yeah. two years since I lost my fucking sister. And I'm like, oh, oh wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm glad. 
Um, so you have, so all the listeners out there, unsolicited yes. uh, emails yeah. to Liz. Please, yes. And she might respond. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, DearLizGlazer.com? Yep. Are you on Rumble? What's no, Rumble? <laughs> Rumble is the uh, the conservative free speech alternative to YouTube. Oh, it's, really? It's the new Twitter. But wow. It's, yeah. Okay. Don't be on Rumble. Yeah, um, I'm not. But yeah, I don't know. Do you got a handle? You're on all. Yeah, I'm at Liz Glazer. Yeah, I'm not on Twitter because my Twitter got hacked by some like crypto thing. Yeah, Twitter is yeah. it's it's on its way out. Yeah, yeah, or X or whatever. I don't do it. Yeah, you're not missing much. Yeah. Well, I suppose I will direct people to dearlizglazer.com. Well, if you must. And uh, do you have a date for this recording? Yeah, May 16th, 2024. And it'll be at the South Orange Performing Arts Center. So it's a theater with 439 seats. So between now and then... That's awesome. I need to make 439 friends. Yeah, no, of course. Well, put me on as a guest. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'd love to have you. Um, cool. Any um, final thoughts you'd like to... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things that people say about, like, grief and humor is like, oh, how could you joke about this? And I always think that's really weird because anybody who's, like, been through a thing is like, oh, I definitely get it and want to hear about it and hear Mm -hmm. jokes about it. And I find that like a lot of the people who are like, oh, how could you say this? It's like, you didn't go through it. Um, Yeah. And I think even if that empirically isn't the case, like if there is somebody who went through a thing and also doesn't want to hear jokes about it, okay, fine. But I think that I always find it a strange phenomenon that there is this like trope of not being able to, not being allowed to joke about like hard topics because, and grief in particular and stillbirth maybe even more particularly because the idea that like it's a mode of healing, joke telling and processing through humor and the idea that like somebody who's grieving isn't allowed that avenue I think is really harmful. And so I always think it's so odd that there seems to be these like rules about not being able to tell a joke about a hard thing mm-hmm. that happened to you. That's your lived like, experience. That's the person who we should allow to do that. So <laughs> I just believe, I don't say this for myself. I mean, I say it just for people who may be listening, who may be, you know, unfortunately, and I'm sorry, going through grief or, you know, wondering like, am I ever going to be able to laugh again? Am I ever going to be able to be funny again? And I, I, I made my album because it was a testament to my being able to do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just wish for other people a similarly healing route to, uh, processing grief. That's, um, Super valid. Yeah, I just applaud you again. It's good. It's good to talk about it, and it does re- remove yeah. the stigma. And the fact that you are a very funny person is really great. Yeah, uh, moments. Um, but I mean, it helps. Sometimes you see people doing <laughs> pouring their heart out, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. well, I I certainly am feeling something, but it's mostly sympathy. Sure. And what you're doing is bringing up something that people might not even want to talk about. Sure. You're throwing it in their face and then you're making it accessible and funny. Thank you. I mean, that's the best of, uh, of what you can accomplish with comedy as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. So no, thank you. Thanks for doing it. Yeah. Thanks thanks for for having me. Thanks for writing the show. Of course. I think, uh, I think I've harvested enough of your trauma to put this into (laughs) some sort of package. Great. Amazing. Thank Uh, you. Micah. Yeah, of course. Liz Glazer. Really appreciate Michael your time. Walsh, I appreciate your time. Yes. Yeah. Get back to Jersey safe. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yes. Go see and, Eloise. Yeah. And I, I just want to honor the memories of Leon and Kevin, who I always, I don't know what happens after we die. It's like the ungoogleable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like to think that those spirits, especially when like, you know, our dad's, probably didn't know each other in real life when they were here but like maybe 
they're hanging out <laughs> tonight. Like, look at what our children are doing yeah. for content. Right. Like, what if it's like the kind of thing where God is, or whoever, what believes in, you know, like throws, it's like, oh, hey, your kids are doing a podcast and our dads are like, it's 11 o'clock at All night. Right. Like, what's this about? Like, God's like, well, okay, you could go to this. They're in this room. You can right. be there for an hour or if, well, my, my dad's like, she'll go on longer, you know. Right. So they're like, they're anyway. still talking about <laughs> us. <laughs> wow. We really must have God. left an impression. <laughs> so anyway, I, All I right. hope that that's happening. Yes, of course. Shout out to Leon. Shout out and to Leo Kevin. and Kevin. Yes, and Leo and, and everybody and else who's Lou and Mona. I the always cats. think of I'm like sorry. my dad didn't like cats, and he's like, oh, now I got this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. If, maybe cats have a separate heaven. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I like to think that she's there, just like with my dad, and my dad has adopted a cat, and everybody in heaven's like, oh, you know, Leon, the yeah, yeah. cat guy. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, a character development after death. <laughs> right. This is pretty <laughs> rare. Totally. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Thanks, Micah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. We did it. We did it. So that's going to do it for episode 30. I want to say thank you to Liz Glazer for sharing her story. Be sure to check her out online. The website is dearlizglazer.com. The hour is called A Very Particular Experience. You should check that out also. And as always, big thanks to everybody who's listening, whoever you are. Feel free to spread the word, you know, via bulletin or graffiti or courier pigeon. Or more realistically, if you want to drop a like, a subscribe, maybe even a positive review, those are all things I would encourage you to do. But I'm just happy that anyone's listening at all. This might be the last episode of the year. If it is, I know the holidays are kind of rough on a lot of people. Try not to be too hard on yourself. Better days are ahead. It's about to be springtime. So be good to yourself. Till next time, goodbye.